What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Week 6, NFL Sunday in the books. Happy Monday morning. Happy Monday afternoon. Happy, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Monday, Tuesday, whatever you listen to this. This is the Week 6 Recap Podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. I am joined this evening. We record this on Sunday night once the games are over to make sure you have that hot, freshly baked, delicious NFL content in your podcast app every morning. This is the daily CBS Sports NFL podcast. You should subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, however you do that. Hit the rating and the review button. Show us some love if you like the podcast. Joining me now, John Breach and Sean Wagner McGough. What's up, fellas? I want you to start calling me John Breachweiler. Oh, oh, is it in honor of like, do you want that to be hyphenated like Sean or is this just a Brock Osweiler homage? Uh, it can be both. I okay. like hyphens. I'm a big I'm hyphen. The only, I'm the only hyphenated last name on this podcast. Let's get that straight. I'm going to be Brinson McSwims or something like that. That's terrible. I got nothing. Uh, let's move along to the games and we'll start. By the way, Ryan Wilson is not here on the, on the phone with us. We are going to attempt in the middle of this podcast to call him in his hotel room and make him talk about the Steelers game. We'll see how this goes. I'm guessing it'll go very poorly. I'll have to edit it out, but we'll give it a shot anyway. Um, let's start first though with the Chiefs and the Patriots high scoring game, 43 to 40. Patriots win 83 friggin' points were scored. The over under was 59, closed right around 60 actually, and it still got blasted the bleep out of the water. I mean, my big takeaway from this is that I want to see these two teams play in the playoffs again, Breach. I thought that Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady were both fantastic. Mahomes looked a little bit uneasy on the, not uneasy on the big stage. He just made some questionable throws. Uh, Brady had some mistakes of his own, but largely this was an offensive game between two teams that don't have great defenses. And the end result was a big time win for the Patriots that puts him in a great position to get that number one seed in the AFC by virtue of, of holding a tiebreaker over the Chiefs who lost their first game on Sunday night. Well, I think it's funny because we literally spent like three different podcasts trying to figure out how Bill Belichick was going to stop the Chiefs <laughs> offense. And then here we are watching it in person. All you do is you don't punt. You have to stay on the field at all times. The Patriots didn't punt in the entire game. So you're scoring every time you have the ball and you hope the Chiefs don't outscore you. I think one big thing here we saw was that the Patriots had the ball for 36 minutes and change. Uh, which means the Chiefs had the ball for under 24 minutes. Andy Reid with the Chiefs 0-7 when he has the ball under 24 minutes. So it's like keep the ball out of their hands, and, and they can't win. So I think uh, maybe you don't want to give up 40 points, but this was a blueprint if you have the kind of offense that can put up 43 points. You know, I don't think this was a blueprint for the Buffalo Bills, uh, but it says the Chiefs are beatable, and I think this is a pretty brilliant game plan by Mr. Belichick. I agree with what Breach is saying, and I think it was telling that on the Patriots' first possession, they had a fourth down near the 40-yard line, and they just went for it without hesitating. And Belichick knew this wasn't a field goal, this wasn't a field position game, because when you have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, field position doesn't really matter that much. I would say my takeaway, though, is that this was really like the best way the Chiefs could have lost the game. I don't look at the Chiefs any differently than I looked at them before this game. I think they can hang with the Patriots. I think the biggest key is... In January, who is going on the road? Because if the Chiefs get healthy, let's not let's not forget that they didn't have Justin Houston and Eric Berry, two of their three only good defensive players, you can argue, on that defense. They didn't have those two players, and they only lost by three and involved a Brady to Gronk, you know, unstoppable catch downfield. 
and they were in a position to win. And maybe if Andy Reid doesn't kick a couple of field goals there um, mm. in the first half, maybe it's a little bit of a different game. But that, that's nitpicking. My, my takeaway is that the, the Chiefs are good enough to beat the Patriots if they can get healthy and if they can wrap up home field advantage. Obviously, they lost the tiebreaker here today um, or yesterday, but they're still a game up because this is their only loss of the season. So it, I don't think you got to panic if you're the Chiefs. If anything, I'm encouraged. You can hang with Patriots. You can hang with the best. You can win the AFC. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that you do worry about a little bit when you look at these two teams, the Chiefs got 80 rushing yards on 10 carries from Patrick Mahomes. But, they, you know, I mean, excuse me, from Kareem Hunt, Patrick Mahomes had to throw the ball 36 times, uh, completed 23 of his passes in in order for, for the Chiefs to get those 40 points up on the board. Whereas with the Patriots – uh, and you know, it's because they, 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 like you said, they had to kick a lot of field goals. The Patriots only got one passing touchdown from Tom Brady, but got two rushing touchdowns from Sony Michelle. 24 carries, 106 yards, and two scores. That's his third straight big game, and he's really developing into the guy that they wanted to have. Like, like you know, they got guys to try and replace Nate Solder um, and Isaiah Wynn, and then they got a guy who they want to replace Deion Lewis with in Sony Michelle. And after a rough start to his rookie season, he looks fantastic. Uh, Gronk was back. They didn't. Use him a ton until the very end when they piled up points. Edelman wide open underneath. Josh Gordon should have had another long touchdown, but it got ruled DPI when he got tackled after just smoking a defender. I mean, I, my takeaway is that this Patriots offense is clicking on all cylinders all of a sudden. Three weeks after we we tried, we wanted to bury the Patriots. It's just the stupidest thing in the whole wide world. Um, New England is going to roll to this division title, and I would be stunned if they don't have a bye at the end of, at the end of this thing. And I would be stunned if they didn't have the number one seed in the AFC. And frankly, I would be pretty surprised if they didn't end up repping the the AFC in the Super Bowl. But certainly the Chiefs looked like they can hang. When the weather is ugly, though, guys, I would rather lean on the Patriots because I think that they can do a little bit more in red zone defense. They showed that. And they can run the ball a little bit more effectively. Elsewhere in the NFL, unless you want to add on breach. You know, I don't accept <laughs> to say that uh... – you looked like Tommy, you did. Tommy Brady threw over half. I have half of his yardage came in the fourth quarter, which I thought was insane because he didn't have a fantastic game until that fourth quarter. Uh, I think he went nine to twelve for 182 yards. That's over half his yardage in the fourth quarter, and so he had to have a lights out fourth quarter, or they don't win. So it's like it's crazy. And like you guys said, if this game's in New England in January, bad weather. I'm taking the Patriots by 20. Uh, so it will be important for the Chiefs to get that number one seed home field advantage. Uh, the other huge over-under from the week one games, uh, that was 57.5 for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. That one got crushed as well. Uh, a little bit dicier in terms of that one going over, but it still hit. Um, and it could have gone even higher, except Tampa Bay missed on a crazy conversion, a quarterback draw with lateral options by Jameis Winston that almost resulted in Sean Jackson walking into the end zone with the ball on a lateral from Mike Evans for a touchdown. Instead, he got nutmegged. It went between his legs. The Buccaneers lose in a shootout. Uh, Sean, do you think that this gives any hope to the Atlanta Falcons of making a run, or is Atlanta still in a – uh, we're basically dead situation. I think they're basically dead unless you're looking at that last wild card spot in the NFC being an eight win team, which I maybe could be the case. I mean, you saw a team like the Bears lose a game today, and I don't know if they're going to get above eight wins. You have the Packers with Aaron Rodgers hobbled, so it could happen, but they're going to need to only lose four more games the rest of the way. Um, and then they're going to need the rest of the NFC to also kind of collapse. Um, so I, I don't see it happening. That being said, this is a team that can hang with every opponent for the most part 
because Matt Ryan is on fire right now. Uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I think if you look at his last four games, his numbers are insane. They only won one of those games, of course. Um, I think they're competitive, and I think what they're going to do is play spoiler down the stretch. Uh, they just they, they dug themselves too big of a hole, and I don't know if a five-point win over a Buccaneers team that isn't very good at home um, is something to be that encouraged about. I saw the same thing that I've been seeing really all season, good offense, and they're just too banged up defensively uh, to really go on a big run here. Yeah, Matt Ryan actually has better stats right now through four games than he did in his MVP season. He's been fantastic. And last week he also did it while getting sacked, I think, six times for the Steelers. Through five games, I guess, right? Five games or six games? He played six he's games. been through six games, but right, the right. last four games he's been tremendous, and I think the Falcons have lost all but one of them. Yeah. Uh, it, through six games. Actually, no, there's slightly, slightly worse stats. Excuse me. 68% completions, um, in 2016. He's at 69.6. Had 1955 yards right now. Had 2075 then. 15 touchdowns, three interceptions back then. 14 touchdowns, two interceptions right now. So basically comparable stats to his 2016 MVP run. Um, Breach, is there any hope for the Buccaneers or the Falcons? Or are these teams just going to be involved in shootouts for the rest of the year with no defense? I mean, I, I mean, they're entertaining to watch. I just, have, I have trouble believing that the Falcons can stop anybody when they can't stop uh, Jameis Winston, who largely didn't look that great. I mean, it's just, they just had guys running wide open most of the day. Yeah, I do not think there is any hope for the Buccaneers. We had this, we had the Fitz Magic train. You know, it was nice to see Jameis Winston. He came out, you thought he might look a little rusty because his first start of the season, and he just went bombs away, uh, 395 yards, four touchdowns. And so, that's encouraging if you're the Buccaneers, but also, you know, you just keep losing. You've lost three in a row, and it doesn't look like anything's going to right this ship anytime soon. So, I, you know, I think the Buccaneers are definitely a team that I'm writing off right now. Sorry, everyone in Tampa Bay. You guys are done. But the Falcons, I like the Falcons. I know Sean's saying that eight wins, but you look at their schedule. They got the Giants, the Redskins, the Browns. Those coming up in the next three weeks, those are all winnable games. All of a sudden, you're Five and four, a little bit over halfway into the season. I think if you're five and four, uh, you're in the wild card hunt. So uh, their schedule says they can get in the playoffs. It's just a matter of whether or not their defense can stop any team from putting up 500 yards and 30 points, 40 one, points each game. One fun note about the Falcons right now, according to John Daigle on Twitter I'm reading right now, Julio Jones is on pace for the second most receiving yards ever in a single season. He's also on pace for zero touchdowns. That's incredible. That's, that, that, that is, is incredible. Yeah. That's nuts. I mean, like, how do you have a, not a single touchdown? Uh, Muhammad Sanu's been a nice little piece for them. Tevin Coleman caught a, a pass from Matt Ryan and, and just to put a bow on that game. Uh, James Winston finished with 30, 30 of 41 for 395, four touchdowns, two bad picks. Uh, but I mean, like, he put up the stats and we told you last week, uh, on the Heath, on the Heath Cummings podcast that you should pick up James Winston. He might be a QB one the rest of the week, the rest of the way in fantasy. And I think it looks that that way, uh, Matt Ryan, 31 of 41, 354 yards and three touchdowns. Julio Jones, 10 catches, 143 yards. Man, that's crazy. Austin Hooper sort of emerging as a go-to tight end for him, too. Uh, nine catches, 71 uh, yards and a touchdown. He's been very good. Cameron Brait, I believe, also had a red zone touchdown. Yeah, 15-yard catch from uh, from Winston. Of course, Chris Godwin caught a touchdown pass, which helped Sean demolish me in our pick 16 league. Um, always fun to have you, to have you blasting my face in that one, Sean. Really, really good times. Uh, and you made fun of me on Twitter for it, so good for you. Um, let's talk about the, speaking of making fun of you, let's talk about the Bears who lost in overtime to Brock Osweiler. Good for you, Sean. Yeah, it was, 
a game that the Bears can only blame themselves for losing. And, you know, we joke about Brock Osweiler tearing up the Bears defense. This wasn't Brock Osweiler tearing up the Bears defense. This was Brock Osweiler throwing four-yard passes and Albert Wilson juking out the entire Bears defense. And it was – the second half for me was about the Bears defense not being used to the Miami Heat. I think it felt like it was over 100 degrees, they said, um, at the game. And in the second half, they completely wilted. And offensively – just... What are you, Dick Stockton here? Did you hear that? He's like, and now no, you're like the Miami Heat, they're the basketball team. But he was like, he was like oh, the L.A. Rams against the – Denver Nuggets! It's like, no, no, it's the Broncos. Anyway, continue. Uh, their offense actually played well, and I think that's the encouraging aspect of the game. I tweeted out Trubisky's stats of the last two games. Obviously, they're skewed from playing the Buccaneers, but they're incredible stats. Um, the, they lost the game for three simple reasons. One, Jordan Howard fumbled on the one-yard line. Mm-hmm. Two, Mitch Trubisky in the fourth quarter with the Bears up by eight on first and goal through a horrible interception in the end zone. Even if they don't score a touchdown there, they kick a field goal, go up 11, they probably win that game. And then Tariq Cohen fumbled at the end of regulation. And you look at, uh, sorry, I'll give a fourth reason. Matt Nagy went full Andy Reid at the end of the game. And this is kind of, this is why the Bears lost in week one, where they kicked a field goal in fourth and one instead of going for it and trying to win the game and not giving Aaron Rodgers the, back, the ball back. What happens is that the Bears in overtime got a huge break when Kenyon Drake fumbles on the one-yard line, and the Bears get a touchback out of it, and they come down and they journey all the way to the 40-yard line. They're almost they're on the edge of field goal range, and they run the ball three straight times. They they settled for a 53-yard field goal, and you can't do that because the flip side of it is that you miss a field goal, and suddenly with a minute you know 45 seconds left, the Dolphins just need 25 yards to get in field goal range. So I thought it was an epic mismanagement of the of the late game situation with Matt Nagy. He brings a lot of good to the Bears, and he's obviously a huge upgrade over John Fox, but this is something I think, unless something happens and he changes his ways, we've seen it now multiple times, this just might be something where you're going to take the good with the bad with Matt Nagy, with Matt Nagy brings to the Bears. You take the good, you take the bad, and then you have facts of life. Is that what you're saying, Sean? That's Sean, let exactly. me ask you something. When uh, you found out on Sunday morning that Brock <laughs> Osweiler was going to be starting for the Dolphins – how many touchdowns did you think the Bears were going to win by? Three, you know, four, six? You know, you know what? Actually, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "This is the perfect game for the Bears to lose." I was mm. th- that was my first thought. Brock Osweiler, I don't have his numbers in front of me. He's never lost to the Bears in his career. His first ever start in Denver actually came against the Cutler Bears in Chicago. He didn't play that well in that game. It was all about that Bron- that really good Broncos defense during the Super Bowl run, um, kicking the Bears all around the field. But I've watched. Brock Osweiler beat the Bears before, so I wasn't necessarily surprised by that. I think what was so disappointing is that you have the offense looking so good, and they just shot themselves in the foot. By the way, Mitch Trubisky's last two games, 72% of his passes, averaging almost 12 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, and one one really bad interception that came today. Look, he did it against one really bad defense. Those numbers are skewed. But if you're looking at a positive from the Bears' result, it's that Trubisky – Six of his last eight quarters has looked really good. Uh, I'll point this out. By the way, coming into today, Brock Osweiler, 42 of 62, 67%, 481 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception in two career games against the Bears. Today he goes 
or on Sunday, excuse me, he went 28 of 44 for 380 yards, three touchdowns and two interceptions. Also worth noting that Brock Osweiler now has the lowest in the NFL average completed air yards per, per pass at 3.1. In other words, Brock Osweiler, who, who's over 8.8 yards per passing attempt against the Bears on Sunday, was not throwing it downfield. He was throwing dump offs, like you said. Um, and, and we'll get to Derek Carr in a minute. He averaged 0.1 completed air yard per passing attempt. That is unbelievable. Um, Sam Bradford, next lowest behind Brock Osweiler, 3.9. Blaine Gabbert, 4-1. Nick Foles, 4-1. C.J. Beathard, 4-1. So, I mean, you're talking some pretty Charlie Checkdown company in terms of the average completed air yards for their – what what's your panic level on the Bears in the playoffs right now, Sean? Because you had the Minnesota Vikings winning pretty handily. They're now 3-2-1. and one. The Bears fall to 3-2 and two in a game they should have won multiple times. Packers likely going to 3-2-1 and one on Monday night. Uh, would you say that you're like – um, you know, like uh, P scale, where you at? You know, like I'm not panicked because I didn't really think the Bears would be in this position beginning of the season. If you would have told me at in beginning of September they'd be three and two and in first place, I think every Bears fan on the planet would take that. And the other thing why I'm not panicking is I don't think they make these mistakes every single game. I don't think Jordan Howard's going to keep fumbling or Terry Cohn's going to keep having those fumbles. And again. I would have been more discouraged if the Dolphins had won 21 to 10 and Trubisky had played like he did during weeks one through three. So I'm, I'm actually a little bit more con- encouraged than disappointed. It's a disappointing loss, but at the same time, this is a young Bears team with a first time head coach. I think this is what you're going to see from them all year. I think you're going to see bad mistakes. I'll give you the one area of concern is that the pass rush disappeared today. I don't think they got a single sack mm. and Brock Osweiler is a statue back there. And Khalil Mack was a little bit bothered by an ankle injury. He went into the medical tent and had that taped up. I know he said he was okay, but of course he's not going to come out and say my ankle's all messed up. I think that's something to monitor. They're not a team I don't think that can win unless their defense, especially their front seven, is playing at a top level. So if that continues, I don't, I think you can kiss their playoff chances goodbye. At the same time, like I said, Miami Heat, they were on the field for a long time. <laughs> I'm not that concerned. All right. Uh, what about you, John Breach? Are you concerned about your Cincinnati Bengals? Because they took a brutal loss. They fell to the, uh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers 28-21 on a last second play after the, the Bengals did a really good job of, of kind of keeping that game in check. Dre Kirkpatrick furious after the game called the, uh, third down and 10, a, a defensive holding call. He called it trash. Trash, man. That's trash. I wish I could get the audio. Uh, but I'm trash too. In fact, speaking of audio, John, before we get your answer, Let's, uh, should we, should we call John, should we call Ryan Wilson now or wait until you tell us about the Bengals? Well, I'm glad that Wilson's not here right now because he would just be rubbing this in all day. But you know what's funny is that the one thing I've said about the Bengals all year since the beginning of the season, I said they're a lock to go to the playoffs, but they're going to get swept by the Steelers because it is just, I can't even watch Bengals Steelers games anymore. I already know what's going to happen. Uh, I think everyone in Cincinnati watching this game knew that Ben Roethlisberger was going to get the ball back with like a minute left drive straight down their throat, and they didn't even bother to kick a game-winning field goal when that's all they needed. No, they took the dagger, stuck it in the heart, then pulled it out, then, like, you know, in the face, and, and killed it with the touchdown just to rub things in more. And, and the thing was, here's the encouraging thing, is I love what I've seen from Andy Dalton. We saw him lead that comeback win against the Falcons through that touchdown pass with seven seconds left, and, you know, it's not something you expect from Dalton is clutch football. And, and we got that again in this game with the Bengals trailing 
He got the ball back late in the fourth quarter. They had to have a touchdown, and he got it. I, I mean, that, that never happens, but this season he's kind of turned that around, and, and the Bengals' defense has been their liability. That never happens. Dalton's whole entire career, he's usually the liability, uh, except for maybe 2015, or the weak link on the team. Not necessarily, it's not like he's bad. Uh, but the Bengals defense is just getting blown up this year, and, and you don't usually see that. You know, you thought when Fontes Burfitt came back, and you guys see if Wilson, he would have chimed in right there with the cheap shot of, on Antonio Brown. But, you know, they gave up 480 yards after giving up a lot of yards to the Falcons. So it's just the defense isn't looking good. So I don't know where that leaves the Bengals, but I still think they're at least a 10-win team. Uh, before this you, but, Sean, before you go, let's, let's, uh, let's get Ryan Wilson on, let's see if we can get Ryan Wilson on the phone. We're going to call a hotel live in the middle of this podcast and see what happens. Um, I should probably be quiet until it rings though. Stewart service, that's what calling Merritt North. Uh, yeah, can I get Ryan Wilson's room please? One moment please. I think he used an alias to check in. Yes, sir. Transfer the call, please hold. Thank you very much. He's going to be so mad. Yeah, he is. Oh, I got a retail. He checked in under Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> Hello? Uh, yeah, this is, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Are you serious? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I thought like. Wait, you can't swear. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I thought like my mouth had burned out. Sounds very good. I hope, I, I hope this is the podcast. This is the podcast. We have Ryan Wilson on the phone. Uh, we Alright, what we got going on here? <laughs> you scared the. Doo-doo <laughs> well, listen, I, your family's alive. No one has been taken hostage. <laughs> Just so we're clear, it's twelve twenty-seven p.m. I, I I'm in Florida, down at headquarters. I literally have been sneezing the last second half of this game. I think I have a cold. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I was about to go to sleep. So what? What's so important? Oh, you know, I know. I was gonna say. I can't believe you're smart enough to figure out how to get a hold of me in, in the hotel room. Hopefully, uh, people listening to this will do that from now on. Just call the hotel asking for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, we, Why is this phone ring? I, like the last time I had a phone call in a hotel room. I can't even remember. All right. Well, we just wanted to get your opinion on the Pittsburgh Steelers. John Breach just Breach just explained to us that the uh, the Bengals. He still thinks they're in fine shape. Uh, do you think the Steelers are back, Ryan? This is your time to peacock around this podcast. I know. I was moonwalking around here before you guys scared the daylights out of me. Uh, did John, John, did you complain at all about that last play involving Antonio Brown about the pick play that a lot of Bengals Bengals uh, fans seem to be angry about? I did not complain because it was so close to the line of scrimmage. It was, it, it was, uh, if he threw the flag, it's a good, you know, you can throw the flag, but if you don't, you can't argue it. Well, we talked about this last week. I don't think this necessarily means anything about either team. I still think the Bengals are the best team. Well, after what the Ravens did to the Titans, I, I don't know what to make of that either. But the Bengals are still a playoff team. I don't know which Steelers team is going to show up. I was talking to uh, RJ about this, or editor, uh, during the game. Why in God's name they continue to have Vince Williams cover every wide receiver on the Bengals roster it makes zero sense to me. And it turns out he can't guard A.J. Green. He can't guard Tyler Boyd. Uh, he can't even guard uh, Uzuma. I mean, he's the third tight end. So, I mean, they have issues. Artie Burns is terrible, uh, absolutely terrible. And I will say this, John, you can take great solace. I told you this at the time, that um, when the Steelers wanted desperately to draft uh, William Jackson the third, and the pick before, your boy Marvin Lewis went out of his way just to draft William Jackson the third to stick it to the Steelers, and they had to take Artie Burns. And that has that has paid dividends every year since because he is hot garbage. <laughs> um, you, you go into the bye – 
You are now um, it's me. It's not me. Who am I? Sean and the Bears. This isn't my team. Okay, well that's really taking. This. But they're three, two, and one. They're, three. they're third place in the AFC North. Uh, you know, it's not a great spot to be, but it's not a bad spot. <laughs> well, one of let's say the Bengals win the division or the Ravens. Either way, um, I mean the the Chiefs. Let's say the Chiefs get the West. And who cares who gets the South? I don't think they got, I don't think they have a wild card team coming out of there. Three teams at three and three. Um, it basically boils down to Chargers. It's Steel- your team. It's Chargers, Steelers, and Ravens or Bengals. Like I could see three teams in the North getting in. Um, yeah, we did that recently. It was a few years ago that three teams got in, right? The last year, last? The NFC South got three teams in. Yeah. I no, mean, but I think the AFC North is, when's the last time they did it, John? I think 2014. Yeah. So it's happened. And I mean, the AFC South. What's going on there? It's terrible. Whole division has a negative point differential now after the Titans got blanked by the Ravens and the the Texans. By the way, I just want to point out again. I'm going to do this on a weekly basis. I picked the Texans and the, and the Giants to win their respective divisions. <laughs> the Texans, but also the Texans are in first place now. Here we go. We'll still win the Texans. That's, hey, that's not that. That's a loss. Whatever the, happens to that. No, nah, the Jaguar. No, nah, the Texans. The Texans can win that division. They're on a three game winning streak. The least impressive three game winning. They streak. They should have lost time. today. Yeah. They should have lost to the Cowboys. They should have lost to the the Colts or at least tied. I mean, yeah, the the, the Texans should be zero and six right now. They're somehow the Texans are literally tied for the longest winning streak in the AFC. Let's that's, just think about that. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, have you guys discussed this, John? At all worried, John? Are you at all worried about next week's game? Uh, you know what? Here's the thing is that I thought for sure the Bengals would go. I, I look at the schedule in segments. Uh, uh, they, like they played the Panthers and the Falcons in a row. I thought they would go one and one there. Not sure who they would beat, who they would lose to. And that's what they did. I feel the same way going into this two games against the Steelers and then the Chiefs. And so now if they lost to the Chiefs, uh, I feel like they can beat them. Or now that they lost to the Steelers, I feel like they can beat the Chiefs. Well, you're four and two, you're four and two, and you got two games before the week nine bye. You just need to go one and one. You got to get to five and three. Uh, if you lose at the Chiefs on Monday night or on Sunday night, it's back to back games on Sunday night for the Chiefs. Uh, that's not a, I don't think that's a big deal. I mean, I, I would be far more worried about the schedule if I'm a Steelers fan, Ryan, because you have yeah, to, their schedule's not easy. Yeah. Bye. Then Browns at home at Ravens, Panthers at home on a, on a, on a Thursday night at Jaguars, at Broncos, and then Chargers, uh, before you go to Oakland and, and smash the Raiders on Sunday night. Uh, well, I don't know which Panthers team is going to show up. How, how did they lose to uh, to the Redskins? Uh, the, the Redskins played well. It's, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, do you want us to let you leave so you can go to sleep? This is actually pretty nice. I can actually. I like being on the phone, and having someone call me. I can just lay here and listen. <laughs> I'll, right. I'll, I'll hang out. Right, cool. Hey, Wilson, how long are you in Florida? Uh, I'm leaving Tuesday. My flight's at 5 p.m., which means it'll get delayed, and I'll have to spend the night somewhere and, and probably end up driving eight hours to my final destination in Syracuse. I wonder uh, how many podcast listeners prank call you tomorrow at your hotel. That would be incredible. Well, just start, tell them which hotel he's Yeah, go for it. But the, the, uh, the guy said it when he answered the phone. Oh, sure. Yeah, he said it. We should have probably – you can bleep that. I, I've got a lot of bleeping to do with Ryan. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love that. You, you actually called the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> that jerk gave you my name. No, I just said I want Ryan Wilson's room. He's just sitting right there. He we said, asked for Le'Veon Bell. We knew who you checked in under. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, let's dive into some of these games. You, Oakland, by the way. Wait, can, I, can I say one thing about yeah, this game? Sure. Steelers. Um, I don't know why the Bengals went away from Joe Mixon in this game. Mm. Andy Dalton threw the ball 42 times and averaged five and a half yards per attempt. I don't think he played poorly by any stretch of the imagination. It was a lot of short passes. Joe Mixon Joe Hayden averaged- dropped three, t- three interceptions. 
this is true. But Joe Mixon averaged nearly six yards per attempt, carried the ball only 11 times. He was running well, and it's not like the Bengals were behind by a lot. This was a one-score game at every point in the game. And then the second thing on that note I want to point out is that at the beginning of the second half, the Bengals had a fourth and one from the forty from the Steelers' 40-yard line with Joe Mixon at that point averaging over six yards per attempt. They punted and tried to pin the Steelers. And then, of course, the Steelers proceeded to go 85 yards down the field and take the lead. So that just seemed to me like a situation where you're on you're on the plus side of the field. Just go for it. And, of course, it t- takes the Steelers five plays to get back to where you are. Sean, Marvin Lewis will never go for it on fourth down in his life. That is just written in stone. He is not Doug Peterson. He is not Bell Belichick. If it is fourth and anything over three inches, Marvin Lewis is punting. Well, maybe, maybe the Bengals should do something about that. That, that. I just wanted to say that that Joe Mixon looked They really tried good, to in December, but then he came back enough. anyway. Sorry. All right. If you had to pick somebody to win the division in the AFC North right now, Bengals are 4-2, and two, Ravens are 4-2, and two, Steelers are 3-2-1, and one. who would you go with, Wilson? I'm going with the Bengals. I don't, I don't know what – I don't know what to make of the Titans – and the Ravens uh, just lost to the Browns in Cleveland. Well, that uh, they they might they might have done that, but they sacked Marcus Mariota eleven times on Sunday. I blame that on Mike Rabel for continuing to do the exact same thing over and over again and expecting something else to happen. I don't understand how that. I, I don't know what planet we're living on where Marcus Mariota gets sacked eleven times. Number one, <laughs> number two. I, what does this tell me about the Ravens? We've always been their defense is good, but I don't know what their offense can do because they they were literally just murdering. Marcus Mariota for for sixty minutes. So I, I actually, I mean, I, I like this Bengals team, and I, I think Dalton's probably playing as well as he's played since twenty fifteen. Sean's right about Mixon. I don't know why they went away from that. Um, I don't know about the defense. Have you guys talked about old Dirty Vontez Perfect? No, no. <laughs> what did I say? That you would bring it up though. <laughs> I said if Wilson was on the phone, he would have interrupted me by now to bring up the Vontez Perfect hit. Where do you where do you come down on that forearm to the forehead that actually hurt his own player? I, I thought I thought the forearm hit Antonio Brown's shoulder pad first, okay, and go. then swiped up to the helmet. <laughs> I mean, I've watched the replay, and I'm not saying look, Fontes Murphy has a reputation as a dirty player. I get it; he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt in this situation. But to come in, boom, boom, in a situation, it's not like he hit him with his that's head. like it's that's like, like that's like saying that I have a reputation as a beer drinker. I don't have a reputation as a beer drinker. I'm just I'm just a beer drinker. No, like Vontaze Perfect. Yeah. Vontaze Perfect. Vontaze Perfect doesn't have a reputation as a dirty player. He's just a dirty player. I think it will be interesting to see what the NFL does because I don't think, you know, I feel like they're way past the point of finding him. If the NFL thinks this is dirty, you know, maybe they suspend him for a week or two because I don't think they'll do that, anything. That's where he's not getting the benefit of the doubt is with the NFL. I'll, I think I'll they'll say, go ahead, Sean. I just, I think it was a, Dirty play, but at the same time, if you look at his list of incidents just against the Steelers alone, this yeah. is so low on the list that I don't think the NFL does anything. If they do anything, I think it's a fine. And I don't think it was that big of a deal because no one got hurt. And yeah, let's got like, hurt. Like, well, they all came back into the game. No one got concussed. And, like, I'm not saying that the result matters more than the process. But, look, we already know, as Brinson said, that Montez Perfect is a dirty player, and he's going to do this the next time they play, and Antonio Brown's coming over the middle. So, just thankfully, no one got hurt, and and honestly, this ranks so low on the list of violations. That's a, of again, again, that's like it's like 
Well, this guy, this murderer, only like Whoa. only like stole. I mean, I'm saying like if you if you do like he oh he just he just he's just breaking and entering this time. Like it's very low on the list of crimes <laughs> that he's committed. It's not a big deal. Yes, it's still it's still a foul. He still should be busted for it. You know, needs to hammer perfect. Get out of here with your crap, Fontes, you dirty player. Uh, back on the Ravens. So Marcus Mariota had ten completions and was sacked eleven times. I mean, how I've never. Seen that? I mean, what what is that? That's some Nathan Peterman nonsense. Yeah, uh, Derrick Henry seven carries, twenty one yards. Deion Lewis five carries, nine yards. Tajay Sharp led the team with two receptions for thirty three oh. yards. Mariota missed a wide open Tawan uh, Taylor streaking down the field on a post route off play action. Where if they'd hit that, all of a sudden they're back in the game. Um, I, I just this is three games in a row now where the Titans' offense has just been dead for most of the game. They didn't do anything against the Eagles until the, until the, like the second half in the fourth quarter. Did nothing against the Bills and then did literally nothing against the Ravens. Um, I think Tennessee is fine because the, the Jaguars look terrible against the, against the Cowboys as well. And I think the Jaguars are fraudulent. Um, but, uh, you know, Tennessee is going to have to stack some wins here if they want to stay in that division. I think this Ravens team is Super Bowl caliber. Like I really do. I mean, Flacco 25 or 37. Yeah. Well, I mean, they got their defense. They, they had three shutouts last year, and I get it; they were against bad teams. But they can, their defense can snuff dudes out. They got a deep secondary. Alex Collins is running the ball well. They gave him 19 carries for 54 yards and two touchdowns. Flacco's the best game of the season, though. He hasn't yeah. really done much before that. That's fine. But Willie Sneed seven catches on 10 targets. Michael Crabtree six catches on nine targets with a touchdown. I, and they just. It's just a balanced team. Like they're not. They're I will not, say that the offense is way more balanced, and they got Hayden Hurst back, so now they have twenty-seven tight ends that Joe Flacco can throw to, <laughs> and they do have three legit wide receivers that are something he hasn't had forever. That's fine. I just don't know what to make of it, given the fact that, like I said, they murdered Marcus Mariota. What, I don't know what the takeaway is other than that, and they lost the Browns last week. Would you rather breach? Would you rather have to play the Ravens or the Steelers in the playoffs? Oh, absolutely. The Ravens, if the Bengals played the Steelers, some crazy crap would happen. They'd lose 21 to 20 like they did today on an Antonio Brown 99 yard touchdown catch with four seconds left. So absolutely not the Steelers. I don't want the Bengals anywhere near the Steelers. I, I would rather just have them forfeit that second regular season game. <laughs> Give it up on it. You're not going to win. Just get to the postseason. Stay away from the Steelers. I don't want the Bengals and Steelers ever to play again. Sean, the Rams only beat the Broncos by three points. Was that a misleading score? That is a misleading score. Twenty three to twenty three to twenty. Rams win in Denver, by the way. Well, you can look at this two different ways. The first way is that Case Keenum threw a touchdown with a minute twenty left to cut it to three points, and at that point that's just garbage time and improving a stat line. And if you look at his final stats, they're actually not that bad. The second way of looking at it is that they kind of got screwed out of four points there in the first quarter because uh Manuel Sanders caught this big touchdown pass. And he got up in the end zone and taunted the Rams defensive back. And then they went and reviewed the play. And it turns out he was down at the one yard line. So instead of having the ball at the one yard line, they had the ball at the 16 yard line because of the penalty and they had to kick a field goal. And if it had been a touchdown, of course, that penalty doesn't get enforced until the kickoff. I, I don't think this was a game the Broncos were ever threatening to win though. It yeah. felt like you always say it's like pick however much you want to win by. And that's, that's what it seemed like for the Rams. They were in complete control the entire time. Um, I don't know if there's anything to take away from either side except that 
Case Keenum's probably not going to last the entire year as a starter. Hmm. And I'm not saying that Chad Kelly for sure is an upgrade, but there's no point in them trotting out Case Keenum as long as they keep losing games four in a row now. They have to see what Chad Kelly is before the draft so they know if they're drafting quarterback, and I suspect they probably they're will draft, be drafting, they're drafting a quarterback. Well, I was going to say, Ryan, you are our NFL draft expert, of course. and. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, John Elway spotted in Oregon for the Oregon Washington game on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Justin Herbert, could he be a target for the Broncos at that, in a top spot if they end up with a pretty good pick? Two and four now after losing this game. That's the Giants quarterback, isn't it? I mean, isn't Justin yeah. Herbert headed, headed for New York, assuming that they don't stick with Eli Manning for the next 35 years? Ryan Finley. Um, Ryan Finley, anybody? Your boy Ryan Finley. Uh, by the way, Brent, I'm going to go watch Syracuse NC State in a few weeks so I can watch your boy. Oh man! Oh, you're gonna to go to the game. Actually, you're gonna get you're gonna get press credentials. Literally right down the street. You're gonna get press credentials. Um, what's up? You're gonna get press box credentials. Or just go sit in the stands. No, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm gonna go sit in the press box. I'm not gonna. Are you crazy? Drink beer, watch Ryan Finley. It'd be pretty fun. That'd By the way, working. if uh, if NC State beats Clemson this coming week, oh, put all your money on Syracuse because Syracuse will beat NC State if, if they beat Clemson. Uh, Todd Gurley, by the way. Career high rushing yards, 208 on 28 carries with two mm. touchdowns. Uh, he had never been over 200 yards before in his illustrious but short career, and so he topped uh, that number on Saturday. Yeah, uh, Rams moved to six and zero. I don't think this is a. Would you play? Oh, by the way, that, that Broncos defense has given up over 530 yards. I think the last two two weeks. Yeah, they're bad, dude. They're just not good on the ground. There's only been two. <laughs> 200-yard rushers in the NFL since the beginning of the 2017 season, and they were both in the past two weeks mm. against the Broncos. That's how bad the Broncos' defense has been against the Russians. kind of crazy that that was their bread and butter, you know, the Broncos' defense. That's what they're good at. And well, here, now it's like, e. Here's an uh, interesting, interesting note to go with that, too, then, uh, John Breach. Great call there on the Isaiah Crowell last week. Uh, Jets win 34-16 in that game. They're at the Cardinals on thir- this Thursday night in what it amounts to a potentially terrible Thursday night game. A, a terrible Cardinals team hosting a terrible Broncos team. But could this be the David Johnson breakout that we've all been hoping for after two straight 200-yard rushers against the Broncos? Thursday nights usually means good. Sean's shaking his head. Get out of here, Sean, you clown. I don't want to hear you disparaging David Johnson. That's my guy. I love, Dave. I love David Johnson. Speaking of, uh, speaking of David it's Johnson. The, it's, it's, it's the usage of David Johnson. Yeah, well, let's talk about that really quickly because we don't need to spend long on Vikings over the Cardinals. Uh, the Vikings won 27 to 17. Latavius Murray, Murray went ham. There's actually a guy named CJ Ham on the Vikings as well who's a running back. 24 carries, 154, 55 yards and a touchdown. Adam Thielen continued his domination. 15 targets, 11 receptions, 123 yards and a touchdown. I, I, we can. T- I was going to re- start by talking about ripping David Johnson. I, th- I want to point out that Adam Thielen might be the best wide receiver in football. Is that nuts? He ain't bad. I mean, he's pretty good. I don't know. Would you trade Antonio over. Brown for Adam Thielen? Uh, maybe next year. I, I feel like Antonio <laughs> Brown is uh, a-, a few weeks, perhaps days away from having a meltdown. Um, <laughs> so, no. But, I mean, he's he's a top five wide receiver. I mean, Julio Jones can't score touchdowns. Adam Thielen can. Um, who else Who else is up there? Like, who's three and four? I'd say DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Adam yeah, Thielen, yeah, Antonio there. Brown. And A.J. Green. A.J. Green. Oh, yeah. A.J.'s there. You're right. o- Odell Beckham, A.J. Green. Odell. Wound up. O- I, wound up. I don't think Odell's there. Keenan Not because Allen. Odell, but because he's throwing the ball to himself at this point. <laughs> yeah, Keenan Allen is up there in terms of top. That's like the top eight or so, and then 
Um, I don't, I'm not sure who the next two guys would be. Would you for. take Adam Thielen over A.J. Green? I feel like I would. For but, long term? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, he's playing better right now, too. I mean, A.J. Green's been great this year, but I think Thielen's playing at another level. I mean, like, Thielen Thielen's has five straight or six straight 100-yard games to start a season. No Vikings receiver's ever done that. Randy Moss played for the Vikings during his prime. I mean, Thielen's having a monster year. Uh, by the way, the, on the David Johnson thing, Sean, this drives me nuts. I mean, they, they did the same. It's 18 carries, 55 yards, two receptions, 15 yards, and they got in the goal, they got on the goal line, and they just did the same thing they do in the open field, just go eye formation and pound David Johnson in the middle. It's so stupid. Yeah. I'm going to sound like a broken record because I think I said this last week, and I wrote about it this week in my hot seat power rankings. See, Wilkes deserves more time. Like, they're not going to fire him right now. But it's mind-boggling to me, and I know he's a defensive-minded coach, but you're still a head coach and you're so responsible if something's not working to tell your offensive staff to fix it, that they looked at the film from last year and they didn't just stick to how Bruce Arians was using David Johnson because there was nothing wrong with David Johnson. That's not why the Cardinals missed the playoffs last year. Obviously, David Johnson wasn't there, but there was, not, there was nothing to fix there. And the fact that they can't figure out that stop lining up in the eye, start, stop going heavy, running up between the A-gap, Spread him out wide. He can run wide receiver routes. Have him run slants. Have him run. Have him run outs. It's just. It's complete. Uh, it's ineptitude, and it's really annoying. And look, I'm obviously a David Johnson fantasy owner, uh, but I've been a fan of this guy since the end of the NFL. He's so much fun to watch. He he to me is what I of the running backs. He's like the Patrick Mahomes of running backs to me. I like that's how much fun you, I have. You'd give this up. Guy. You'd give up drinking a year to have the to have David Johnson on the Bears. That was the worst tweet I saw Sunday, by the way. Worst tweet I saw. Really? I probably had like three worse. Uh, Let me ask you this, though, Sean. Why why do we deserve – why does Steve Wilkes deserve to have any more time? I mean, that's sort of like the Nathan Peterman argument. Well, because I just – there's no point in firing him because who are they going to – He's terrible. They're going to put McCoy in charge? I mean, McCoy's running the offense. I just don't – I don't know what that accomplishes, and you might as well just give him the whole season. They're one in five. I'm with you. I, he's not going to be. I don't think he should be back there next year. But who is a better guy on that staff to take over? Sam Bradford. He's not being active in game day. As head, as head, as, as head coach, Sam Bradford. He's not doing anything as is because they don't want to pay him. Well, it's interesting. You know, if you read uh, Locker, Jason Lockerfor, our CBS Sports NFL Insiders report on um, Sunday morning. The Cardinals are actually looking at possibly trading uh, Patrick Peterson and Hassan Reddick and Deion Buchanan. All these dudes are former first-round picks who might not be fitting Steve Wilkes' scheme. seems very odd to me that they would blow the whole thing up to rebuild with Steve Wilkes. And I get, I get, I get trading guys like Patrick Peterson will be 30 in two years. I get trading him if you think we can't be competitive in two years. And if you get two first round picks for him or something, but like you don't blow up the whole defense just to rebuild around Steve Wilkes' scheme. I, I, I wouldn't do that, especially because what we've seen with the Rams and the Bears and the Eagles is you got to win with your quarterback on a rookie contract. I don't right. think this is the time to blow things up. I think this is time to build around Josh Rosen. Mm. And yes, maybe you hit on the draft picks. And maybe you get a younger version of Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson's still a pretty good player. And you know what? If you can get some pieces around him and Rosen ends up being the real deal, you can compete for a wild card spot in the NFC. So I, I don't like that. I wouldn't want them to do it unless you're getting an absolute value there. I don't think you're going to get value for a guy that you said is almost 30. Um, you're not going to get the Khalil Mack package. So I, I don't, I don't see why you would trade. You already have your quarterback. You got to go all in on building around the quarterback. Bruce. They went eight and eight last year without a quarterback. Nothing's changed except Steve Wilkes is terrible. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a fair <laughs> point. Breach, are the, uh, are the New York Jets an offensive juggernaut? 
I'm afraid of the New York Jets is what I would be thinking if I was another team's defensive coordinator because that team is crazy. You know, we all saw them explode in week one, and then, uh, you know, they went for dead on the side of the road the next few weeks. But now here we are again, and they're going over 40 again. I think they've gone over 40 multiple times in a season in like 10 years. This never happens, and it's like watching that game, I kept thinking Andrew Luck was going to bring the Colts back. Andrew Luck can outscore the Jets, but – they just kept forcing turnovers and then scoring. And, and it just kept happening. And the Colts couldn't do anything. And it, it's weird because they're three and three. And two of those wins were really, really impressive. And, and we were just talking about earlier that final wild card spot. And I don't think you can, you know, completely rule out the Jets right now as a team that could sneak in for that final wild card spot in the AFC. I. Don't think is that crazy wrong. talk? No, you? it's not is crazy, crazy talk. talk. The Jets are interesting. I like the Jets. Sam Darnold for Rookie of the Year. Let's get this going. Uh, we got to squash out the Saquon Barkley takes. Ryan, should the should the Raiders fire John Gruden and leave him in uh, London? They should trade John Gruden for Steve Wilkes. <laughs> See what happens with that? I don't tra- know what he's doing, but I mean, we have this conversation every week. I said before the season, I thought they might go zero and sixteen, and. Um, they, who they beat? They beat the Browns. They beat the Browns in overtime. Yeah, they barely yeah. beat the Browns. They're, they're one in five. I mean, they're 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 done. For the, they're and tennis. you tweeted uh, Sunday, Brent, in the picture after Derek Carr hurt his shoulder. It looked like he was crying. Yeah, it looked like he was crying on the field. Did you? I don't, I don't, know, don't if, blame him. I don't know if you saw Matt Harmon's tweet, and I found this in on NFL Next Gen Stats. Derek Carr averaged point one. Oh Lord. Point one air yards per completion on Sunday. <laughs> That's impo- That's like in front of your face. Cause like, remember that meters? Cause like point three air yards is one foot. Point one is like, like, it's literally just like directly in front of your face. How the hell does that even happen? And then Gruden, Gruden, by the way, this is the most insane thing. Sean and I were talking about this. Gruden takes, took the Raiders to London on Friday. Like on, fr- like he, he had, and he, they, people had asked him about it. Like, how, what do, you, what do you think about this travel? He's like, I don't know. I get like, I get a. Uh, he gets vertigo. I get vertigo if I'm on a plane too long. He's like, I was on a. I went to my son Deuce's weightlifting competition in Belarus, and uh, and I got vertigo for like a month. He's like, so we're just gonna go over there on Friday and just figure it out. It's like, what are you? What the hell are you talking about, man? Like they might, they might, he might blow this whole thing up. Trade Carr, trade uh, Amari Cooper, trade everybody for picks, and just start to rebuild because he knows that he's the only guy that matters. It's this the Oakland thing is. I've never. Had a better, more locked in. Like I got a Chiefs bet, the Chiefs over at eight and a half wins or eight wins or whatever it is. Nothing's as locked as this Raiders under of eight wins. This is the biggest lock of the century. And, and real quick, if everybody listening is not a time zone expert, Oakland and London are separated by <laughs> eight hours. There's an eight hour time difference. So Gruden's landing on Friday. You're now 48 hours from a game, but you're also eight hours off your body clock. And so you can't sleep at night because when it's midnight in London, it's 4 p.m. in Oakland. You can't fall asleep and you can't adjust to the time in two days. And so it was like once we found out that traveling, that they weren't landing until Friday, it became the lock of the century that the Raiders was losing because no one is flying from the West Coast to London and adjusting in two days. This is this is what this is what Gruden said when asked what they were going to do to get ready for the game. The length of the flight, probably get over there, mostly just recover with the players. Get them to stretch, get them a little something to eat, get your blood pumping, get a walkthrough. Then Saturday, the day before the game, a lot of review. There won't be a lot of time for sightseeing, but I'll try to sneak out and make some friends. What? What? What the hell? What the hell is going on 
on around here? This guy is unbelievable. He's just you know what he you know what he's turning into. He reminds me of uh, Kanye Thursday in the Oval Office, just saying completely random crazy stuff that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's John Gruden. And every game, like he gets up there and it's like he's like, well, yeah, what the what are you gonna do? We lost again. I think he's tanking. Need a pass rusher. And he's like, need a pass. Well, we had some defense and a pass rusher. Uh, let's talk about the Chargers very quickly. Also in that division, I think the Chargers are becoming a legitimate Super Bowl. Division and playoff contender, they stomped the Cleveland Browns 38 to 14 to move to four and two. Philip Rivers only had to attempt 20 passes, 207 yards, two touchdowns. Melvin Gordon has been, um, the, the underrated guy in terms of fantasy and just overall production. 18 carries, 132 yards, uh, scored three touchdowns. Tyrell Williams caught three passes for 118 yards and two touchdowns. And, and this, this defense snuffed the Browns out. Uh, Browns defense was number two in DVOA coming in on, on defense and they just got flat out abused by the uh by by the Chargers. I believe that Philip Rivers two touchdown passes to Terrell Williams are back to back plays and like they yep. they called like the same basically they That's right. Greg Williams called the same defense back to back and they just ran the exact same play twice in a row like you do on Madden when somebody's not covering you. Um are the Browns a joke, Ryan? Well it's worth pointing out and they talked about this on NBC Sunday night. Um, Baker Mayfield got hurt in the first half, maybe mm. the first quarter. It was like seven to three. He ran to the sidelines on a scramble and slipped on that stupid down marker, the, the little plastic thing they put down to point out where the first down marker is. He slipped on it and turned his ankle. And he he wasn't the same since he was throwing interceptions and throwing incompletions, and he looked like Tyrod Taylor for the last forty five minutes. So I mean that has nothing to do with how terrible the defense played. But I think that the game might have been a little closer, and I think Baker's fine because I didn't realize how he'd gotten hurt, and I was like, oh, my God, he's regressing to a Browns quarterback all of a sudden. But I think it was more an issue of him just some idiot putting the down marker right (laughs) in his path and him being hurt. Uh, Sean, Dallas Cowboys put up a 40-burger on the Jacksonville Jaguars. 40-7. to Pete Prisco's out there def- acting like he hasn't been defending Blake Bortles all season long and propping him up. Tell Pete right now on this podcast that he is a fraud and so is Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. Well, <laughs> to be a fraud, you have to believe that, you know, this person was something that they, they actually aren't. They're pretending to be something else. So you're saying no one Pete, else besides Pete, Pete thinks that Blake Bortles has ever been a good quarterback. No, I want Blake you to, I want you exactly who we thought they were. I want you to call Pete Prisco a fraud on this podcast. He's a fraud about Blake Bortles. <laughs> About Blake Bortles, I, I like some of Pete's opinions. But, John's you know, pink let's, slip let's, signed let's by Prisco is going to be in the mail by the end of the week. Let's let's be real. Blake Bortles, not a good quarterback, capable of having good games, but not a good quarterback over the course of a 16-game season. I think what's concerning is that the defense gave up 40 points to a Cowboys offense that looks like they're from the Middle Ages. I I, I can't – I didn't watch much of this game admittedly. I, it boggles my mind how they gave up 40 points to the Dallas Cowboys. And they, they, I mean, who were the Cowboys comparing themselves to? Was the Rams offense? Yeah, yeah. They actually looked like the Rams offense in the little, you know, bunches that I saw them. And I, I they were I using. They were. Was, I'll tell you what they were doing. They were using Dak Prescott and zone read stuff. And then, like, Cole Beasley's just Cole Beasley. running loose in the secondary, completely untethered by any sort of defender. Nine catches, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. Dak Prescott, 11 carries. That's important. 11 carries, 82 yards, and a score. 17 for 27, 183, and two touchdowns. Dak had a huge game. It's because they let him use his feet and get comfortable doing that. They need to do this more often. I can't believe the Cowboys got creative. Yeah, but why is it going to work more often? Because you, like, you look at the uh, Jaguars and you have – 
it, it, it's like the Cowboys watch film of Jacksonville's games against the Titans where Marcus Mariota kind of has the same thing. The Jags have lost three straight games to the Titans, and it's just a team they can't figure out. And it was almost like the Cowboys took half of that Tennessee game plan because we saw the Titans' offense trash unless they're playing the Jaguars. And so it was like they took that game plan and kind of melded in with the fact that they have a way better running back with Ezekiel Elliott and took it, put it on steroids. And the Jags cannot stop a quarterback who is able to functionally run an RPO or – uh, keep the ball and is a threat to run. It, they're just, that's what embarrasses them. That's their weak link. That's their, uh, kryptonite. Yes. Wilson. <laughs> sure. Uh, I had the pleasure of watching this game with the Prisco. Uh, oh, in the room. oh, oh, wow. And oh, he was, know. he was crushing the Jaguars and he actually made a couple good points, none of which in, involved, uh, propping up Blake Bortles. But he, for some reason, the Jaguars kept playing zone defense and that's how, um, Cole Beasley was so wide open in every play. And I'll, Brinson, I'll let you do the, the Prisco. I can't believe they were in, in zone defense. Can't believe they were in zone. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what for three Get hours. out of the zone. What are you doing? This is trash. And on, and on one of Beasley's touchdowns, the, uh, Dak drops back, has all day. He has all day because they dropped in zone coverage, had two people rushing. And mm. they still found Cole, Cole Beasley wide open. I don't understand when you have Jalen Rams and AJ Boyd, why you're playing zone against a team that has zero wide receivers but anyway i mean that along with what breach just pointed out well as you point as you pointed out get you a 40 burger on you yeah i uh i was just looking at dak prescott's that dak prescott's career um game logs you mentioned brinson that he had 11 carries this is the first time in his career actually he's had double digit rushing attempts he's never had more than eight in a single game and i think that's interesting and he doesn't have to carry the ball 11 times every single time, but you're right. You don't have receivers. Your strength of the game is getting in the zone read and making defenses pick between Zeke and Dak. You should be doing, you should be running, you know, those kind of plays at least once a possession. And it's foolish to yeah. think, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to say Dak Prescott isn't as good if you just ask him to drop back the pass and play like a normal pocket passer. That's fine. Maybe that's not his strength. Maybe what you should do is play to his strengths. I think it speaks to bad coaching that it took him this long to actually do it. Yeah, there's coaching. So by the way, Malik Jackson and Calais Campbell both injured in this game. Uh, Calais Campbell, a rib injury. Uh, it didn't, didn't come back, so I think he should probably be fine. And then Malik Jackson, a hamstring injury. Look, if you lose those two pat, you lose those two defensive guys, all of a sudden that makes life tougher on the back end. Uh, the, the Cowboys, by the way, next week in Washington before their bye on CBS. A uh, little, little NFC East action on CBS. A little Speak- cross flex. Yeah, I like it. Speaking of CBS, it's 425 game too. That'll be primetime. I think uh, Romo. I think Romo's on. That's gotta be the Romo. Yeah, the Romo, yeah, Romo Nance. That. And Jim, and Jim Nance. Don't shortchange Jim Nance, Sean. You already called Pointing out that Romo and the Cowboys. You already called Prisco a fraud. Do you want to call Jim Nance a fraud? Is that what you want to do? Jim Nance is my friend. You're, is he? No, no, he's not. Uh, I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Jim Nance would be my friend if we hung out. Um, you know, we love Jim Nance. He's the best, just for the record. Uh, that will get you fired. Prisco, you can make fun of on the podcast, not Jim Nance. Uh, 23-17, the Redskins won. I might go back and delete that. 23-17, the Redskins <laughs> won, uh, over the Carolina Panthers. Carolina had a shot to win late with a potential touchdown. Cam Newton couldn't get it done. 20, this is, this tells a story right here. Cam Newton, 27 of 40 for 200, 275 yards. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, eight carries, 20 yards. Panthers couldn't get anything going on the ground. DJ Moore in his homecoming, played at Maryland in college, fumbled twice, and Josh Norman 
Ryan Wilson had a revenge game against the Carolina Panthers for getting rid of him. He he, uh, he stripped somebody and he uh, recorded an interception to Cam Newton, and then he got up and and came over to Cam after the game and got in Cam's biz, and Cam had to give him a little handshake and walk away. You buy the Josh Norman revenge action? Um, no, uh, Josh Norman is a, he's, he's another in the long line. He's like Kanye too. He's just he's weird. Um, although he has been known to say some things that I actually sort of agree with. But I will say this: I thought it was weird um, that the report. I think um, our buddy Rapsheed reported on Sunday morning that the reason that Josh Norman was benched last week at halftime was because he had his headphones on during halftime, which is is not unusual. He often wears his head, headphones when Jay Gruden talks to him is that he had his headphones on and was facing the opposite direction from his coach. And Gruden got upset and ripped him off. Uh, that, to me, seems weird. Seems like something that certainly Bill Belichick wouldn't stand for. I don't even think Marvin Lewis would stand for it. I don't understand why you're wearing your headphones while your coach is talking to you at halftime, unless you think so little of what he has to say that you'd rather listen to Kanye on your headphones. That is a that is a weird thing. Uh, he, maybe he was listening to the call of uh... – uh, Booger McFarland pointing out that Quentin Dunbar, a converted wide receiver, is the new best cornerback on the on the Washington Redskins. The, look, I, I said it. I said it before this game. I should have put the Redskins in my Super Contest. I'm an idiot with, with the Buccaneers instead. Two and three at best if I get the Packers, guys. Not good news. Um, I think that uh, these this Panthers team going to lose a lot of games they should lose should win, and they're going to win a lot of games they should probably lose. That you think they're going to do that? Washington exactly the same. Uh, I think Washington Washington's minus two on the early line against the Cowboys uh, in in week seven. I like the Redskins a lot in that spot and think that they can take care of business. They should be getting some guys back. Uh, James Crowder missed this game. Chris Thompson missed this game. Uh, Josh Doxson actually played. Uh, didn't look like he would go. Adrian Peterson, who went full, Mel Gibson and jammed his shoulder back in its socket last week, was able to play 17 carries, 97 yards. Um, they've already, uh, you know, they've already had their buy. They could really use a buy. They're not getting it. Uh, but I like the Redskins next week. One final game, a real crap-tacular, crap-tastic, crap, crap, crap thing. Uh, the Bills and the Houston Texans. Who wants to talk about this game? Breach. Let's all talk about Nathan Peterman. He Nathan Peterman was talking about Jesus afterwards. Poor guy, that. man. He sounds like he's going to retire. He's, he's, a, he's not a good quarterback, and you kind of feel bad for him because you know what's coming. It's it's just not good enough to be out there, and he's being thrown out there at multiple times in his career in really bad situations. And no, I think. I think the bad situation is that the very first time he was out there, he threw five interceptions in 30 minutes, and there's right, no but he, coming back. But he, but he never should have been in that situation. The fact that a coach benched his starting quarterback, who was pretty good at the time, Tyrod Taylor, in the middle of a playoff race against the Chargers, whose defense was rolling at that point, is is a pretty bad situation to be in. That being said, his throw today, the pick six that lost the game, was so bad. It wasn't even like he was taking a shot downfield. It's a seven-yard little comeback that the defensive back is reading the entire way. And I, I honestly just felt bad for the guy. He's not good enough to play. I feel bad for Josh Allen. I'm not even a big Josh Allen fan. And I don't think anyone behind that Bills offensive line with those weapons. You have Kelvin Benjamin, who doesn't even want to run routes before the game. <laughs> I, it, it's, just, it's such a miserable situation that I'm starting to feel bad for the Bills. And it's weird because they've won two games they shouldn't have won. They almost won today. Dude, Somehow they're remaining competitive. The Texans won 20-13. to 13. Again, I cannot stress this enough. This is the worst three-game winning streak in NFL history for the Houston Texans. Ever. 
They beat two the overtime games. They should be zero and six. They beat a, a terrible a banged up Colts team in overtime when Frank Wright gave him a freebie. They beat a bad Dallas team in overtime, and then they needed a Nathan Peterman pick six late to beat the uh, to beat the Buffalo Bills on Sunday, twenty to thirteen. Deshaun Watson fifteen to twenty five for one hundred seventy seven yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. DeAndre Hopkins five catches, sixty three yards, and a touch. Kelvin Benjamin had. Two catches for 43 yards on six targets. By God. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, 16 carries for 73 yards. There's chatter they want a second-round pick for him. That's not going to happen. Uh, Zay Jones had a touchdown catch for the Bills. Josh Allen uh, seems like this could actually be kind of a, an injury that lingers, I think, for Josh Allen. Um, is there – I mean, what do you – you know, it's an elbow injury – I don't know. I mean, I think you can't you can't run a rookie quarterback out there with a banged up elbow in a season that's lost, right? Uh, but can you run Nathan Peterman out there? No, because you might as well send a quarterback out there with no arms. Because here's the thing: is like Sean McDermott with Arshon talking about Steve Wilkes maybe not getting any more time. Let's get rid of him. That's how I feel Sean McDermott a little bit. You have. You guys just talked about how he put Nathan Peterman in over Tyrod Taylor last season. Then. They had all offseason do something at quarterback to maybe sign a veteran to play in front of Josh Allen. No, they decided Nathan Peterman was the best quarterback on the roster <laughs> and started him in week one and trade away A.J. McCarron. Uh, that's a fireable offense in my book. So it's like I think McDermott to me is what Wilkes is to Sean. So it's like this season is a disaster, but it's not because they did sneak away those two wins. Uh, and they did almost pull that third one off. So I think you can't start Peterman, but you can't put Allen in there banged up. I just say run the wing tee and, and pray for the best. To me, to me, the Bills situation is a lot like the Browns or even the Cardinals. I don't think losing right now is a bad thing for them because I think the worst thing that could happen for these guys is they rip off a few wins and then the front office thinks, oh, we got to keep the coach around because we got this momentum. I think the best thing for Sean all McDermott, teams, Sean McDermott's not going anywhere. He took the well, that's the thing. Of, well, they made the playoffs last year. He's a good, everyone, he's a good coach. This roster he, stinks. He benched, he benched Tyrod Taylor in the middle of a playoff race on the road against the Chargers defense, who I know the Chargers didn't make the playoffs last year. The Chargers defense is really good and can get after the quarterback. I don't think the Bills' struggles are on Sean McDermott. I think this is a roster problem. This is a personnel problem. That being said, I don't think I've seen anything that makes me think he's a they good They beat the coach. Vikings in Minnesota, dumb-dumb. <laughs> he went to the – that, that, that Kirk Cousins fumbled how many times? You're right. He did a great job coaching Kirk Cousins to fumble. Kirk Cousins fumbles almost more than any other quarterback in the league. He went He went to the playoffs last year with the Bills. He took the the friggin' Bills to the I mean, playoffs. And, and then traded away the ball got rid of his quarterback. Well, you guys are acting like Tyrod Taylor's Jim Kelly. Let's yeah, calm down yeah. about he that. He took the Bills to the playoffs, the same Bills team we're trashing. You can't, Who did? You can't use – Sean, you can't rip Sean McDermott and praise Tyrod Taylor if the Bills get the playoffs. The same same thing. Why can't I? They Tyrod Taylor had to deal with a loss that wasn't even his fault. Sean McDermott went and forfeited game pretty much by good lord. Pete Prisco is the Blake Bortles. Is Sean is the Tyrod no, Taylor? Tyrod what is going Taylor on? compared to Nathan Peterman is like Tom Brady compared to John Blake. Jim, John Breach compared to Nathan Peterman is is. I mean, what's your point? Sean McDermott is not even in the same conversation as Steve Wilkes. Sean McDermott is 100% not getting fired this year. Where is Sean McDermott in your coaching rankings? Out of 32 coaches, how far is he ahead of Steve Wilkes? Number one is Mike Tomlin, and number two is Sean McDermott. And number three is Marvin Lewis? Legitimately, though, he's he's a top top 20. Top 20? High praise. He's a top 
I mean, I would. I don't. I don't. I mean, he's a rich man's Matt Nagy. I don't know if we want to go through all thirty-two coaches, but I, I really think I could find twelve coaches I'd rather have than. I bet you couldn't. I bet you, I bet you couldn't. Find twelve. Find twelve. Real quick. Find twelve. Pete Carroll. That's two. All right, all right. Pete Carroll. Absolutely not. Sean McVay. That's I think three. we should. You guys should name coaches, and I'll tell you if I'd rather have them. Bill Belichick. Okay, we don't. <laughs> Doug Peterson. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Ron Rivera. I'd rather have Ron Rivera. Yeah, that's crazy. I'd rather have Sean McDermott. Um, Why? Because they Mike Tomlin Nate and Andy Dalton bailed them out with a, with the miraculous. Touchdown. Hey, Sean. Let, Sean, let me ask you this: How many how, how many games is Bill Belichick winning with this Bills team right here? I, I, by the way, I agree with you. Not, not many. I said this. I don't think this is. Peterman wouldn't have been in the game to throw a pick six if Belichick was the coach. Brian Hoyer would have been in there. What's the difference? I, I, I said that I don't think the Bills losing these games is an indictment of McDermott. That being said, I haven't seen anything from McDermott that makes me think he's a good coach. He went nine and seven last year with Tyrod Taylor. And yeah. he, Mike, no, Taylor maybe, nine and seven with McDermott. Yes, that's the. Issue. When was the last time they went to the playoffs before? Because Tyrod was there before, wasn't he? It's like two thousand four. They weren't a good team. No, it was 1999. And you know what? You know what screwed them? Is that they made the playoffs, and they had to stick with Sean McDermott, and they were fooled into thinking maybe they what, are. No, what has gotten into you? Sean McDermott made a dumb mistake by by putting yeah. Nathan Peterman against the Chargers. It didn't ultimately burn him because they got in the playoffs and the Chargers didn't. They needed Andy Dalton to bail him out, but, but whatever. I mean, Sean McDermott's a way, good coach. If, they, if AJ McCarron stays there, they're still terrible. I mean, I, I don't agree I, with the I'm move. I'm with you. I, think I, mean, they can do, I don't think there's any point in settling for Sean McDermott, so I'm saying. Whatever, he's fine. Who are you going to get? What are you talking yeah, who about? Who are you I hiring? Fired Steve Wilkes, and you said they should promote Brad, uh, Sam Bradford. What are the, the Bills going to uh, do? Yes, yeah. I'm glad you took that literally. Andy, Andy Reid's Andy Reed, not farting out new coaches every week. I mean, like, he's, <laughs> what are you going to do? Like, who do you, who do you want to hire? McDaniel, Josh McDaniels? Sean's smoking dope. Yeah, I mean, I would hire Josh McDaniels over that. My, my entire point being is I don't – I agree. Sean McDermott's not getting fired this year because he took the Bills to the playoffs. Or next year. However many years. Oh, he'd get fired next year. Um, and I agree. The Bills roster is bad, and I don't think any coaches are winning with that roster. That being said, if your only claim to back Sean McDermott as a good coach is that he took the Bills to the playoffs, I don't think that was about Sean McDermott. What about this? Our, our good buddy Andy Benoit has pointed out weekly that Sean McDermott is oh, doing more with less than any coach in the NFL. I, I would give you a coach who I'd rather have, Vic Fangio. Or um, Dave Tony. Okay, now the conversation's over. Yes, I agree. No, you want to have John? Been, I was found asleep before you guys called me, and you're bringing up that nonsense. <laughs> they have been better coordinators than Sean McDermott was a coordinator. I can't believe we're spending. Sean McDermott was a great stuff. coordinator with the Panthers. Well, sure was. I mean, we're overlooking. Vic Fangio's a great coordinator, and Dave Tobe is the best oh, special teams coordinator. This, this started with button. me. Saying I'm not sure Sean McDermott is a good coach, and Sean took it to five different levels I didn't even see coming. Ryan, Ryan's, Ryan's like lying in his boxers in a hotel bed, listening to Sean scream, "Dave Tobe, Dave Tobe." I can't believe you're, you're not even wrong. You know, my cake is so out there that you guys are this passionately defending Sean McDermott. Wait, would, wait, you, I, Sean, would you Sean have... McDermott or Bill O'Brien? Yes, that's what I was going to say. Right. Well, you're oh. asking. They should both be fired. You're asking me between two coaches who I would rather take some young guy who can innovate than these two guys who aren't good coaches. I don't think either of them are good coaches. I mean, so no, you're, you're not a good coach. You know, Sean like, McDermott's like Sean McDermott's like like 44. He's not like yeah. he's. I mean, well, well, 
what, you're saying that between 44 and 50, he's going to suddenly. I mean, Matt Nagy's know, 40. Develop. Matt Nagy's out there wearing bald, wearing a visor. What the hell is that about? You think that's innovative? I, by the way, I don't understand that. And someone needs to ask him about that. Why? He wears a hat too in his like actual yeah. press conference. Why? Why is he wearing a visor and showing off that head of his yeah. on game day? I don't, I don't. Nobody wears a visor. Right. Nobody wears, nobody who's bald wears a visor. It's out of control. Uh, and he's, and he's a 40 year old bald guy who came. I'm with you. Like he's. I mean, look, I, I ripped Matt Nagy today. I don't think Matt Nagy is a sure thing either. Would you trade Matt Nagy for Sean McDermott? No, not in a million years. Listen to this I, guy. I, I, where'd you, I, find, I, where'd you I, find this guy? I can name the actual positives that Matt Nagy Matt, pa- Matt Patricia or Sean McDermott? Matt Patricia, but I'm not saying it's a sure thing. I think there's just more potential there that we don't know about. Mike McCarthy or Sean McDermott? God, I mean, these are just impossible. I don't think Mike McCarthy's a good coach. Jesus, he's got a Super Bowl. Uh, he's got a Super Bowl. Bowl there's only four good yeah, coaches in the NFL. Yeah. There's probably Sean's coaches in the NFL, and I have ten good coaches. And I think every single one you can replace with someone else, and they roughly have the same record. If you could do that, then nobody, then there would be another good team in the AFC East That's over right. the last thirty years. Yeah, they've been there twenty years, winning the division every year, but they're just. The other three teams keep hiring the wrong guy. Yeah, every because Bill Belichick is one of the few coaches who can actually impact the game. I love how you keep changing, you keep moving. The so, is, so is Andy Reid, and he got fired. I, I, I just said there, Andy Reid's in that group of coaches. Who and he got crazy. fired by the Eagles. I can't so, wait till we do our emergency podcast group, coaching I ranking. I don't understand Which how John? it proves against my my point that there are only a few coaches Dan who can Co- actually tangibly affect a game. And improve a team's win total from, say, like, five to eight wins. Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott's one of them. He took the freaking Bills in the playoffs. That was that was a lucky result. We've been been arguing about Sean McDermott for ten minutes. This is insane. I know. I can't believe that. Doug Marone went nine and seven with the Bills. Doug Marone. Decent coach. I'd rather Doug Marone than Sean McDermott. Okay. He just lost. He just got a 40-burger dropped on him today by Dak Prescott. (laughs) Congrats. He also went to the AC title game last year and – was not lucky in doing so. And if you're going to keep playing that game, he also took Blake Bortles to the AFC title game. But how is he not lucky in doing so? He beat the Bills in the playoffs. win a bunch of close games that the Bills won to get into the playoffs. Like, if you actually look at how the Bills played last year and you replayed that season 16 times, they made welcome, the playoffs once. Welcome to, effing, welcome to effing football. Oh, great. Okay, cool. I mean, just you, the Bills, keep hiring, keep Sean McDermott for four years, and people will be like, oh, well, in 2017, we snuck into the playoffs, therefore we have to keep him because that means he did a good coaching job. No, they got lucky. He got lucky. It's his second year. You're acting like he, you're acting like. I don't think he's going to get fired. I'm with you. He's not going to get fired till next year. He's one for one in the playoffs and his team is, his team is pretty close to being three and three. And like, and like in that AFC wildcard discussion again this year. I think we need to make, make him bet here. Do you think at any point, do you think when Sean McDermott in f- three years from now as a head coach has a record above 500? I'm taking no. It depends on what happens in the draft, I would imagine, because right now they have one and a half players. Right. I mean, their talent stinks. Kelvin Benjamin, LaShawn McCoy, I mean, it's, they're terrible. Uh, alright, we gotta get out of here. This is, we spent 20 minutes. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I, can I say one more thing? Not about no. Sean McDermott at all. No, I meant to say it about a previous game. I was doing some research during the podcast. Sure. You mentioned, Brenton, that I didn't realize this until you said it. Marcus Mariota was sacked more times than he had completed passes. Yes. I was just looking at Pro Football Reference. I think he's only the fifth quarterback since 1950 to have that happen to him. Who's the last one? Jay Cutler against the Giants. <laughs> I was 
game. He got sacked, I think, 10 times in the first half and had a concussion, and he left. Uh, Warren Moon and David Carr are also on that list. David, Mr. Sean, Sean would also fire Sean McDermott to hire Jay Cutler. Do you know that I once had a, uh, a Panthers blog called Mr. Mittens about David Carr? Oh, God, I forgot <laughs> about that. Is all, is, can I find this? <laughs> I think the site's dead now, but it, it used to be real. Uh, and Brossom. Don't forget Brossom. Oh, yeah, Brossom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's get out of here. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. <laughs> the plan was to speed through some of these games and, and cut down on the time of this, this Sunday night. We had a good time talking, talking to Sean McDermott. We got Ryan Wilson on the on the horn from live in Fort Lauderdale. Ryan, go enjoy your night alone in a hotel room with no kids, no family. Draw all those blinds. I want you to sleep till noon tomorrow, buddy. I go uh, work in the morning, jerk. <laughs> that's, that's a shame. Uh, for Ryan Wilson, John Breach, and Sean Wagner, I'm Will Brinson. Thanks for listening. See you guys later. Later.